turn with you, if you would, in your Bibles, we're going to begin reading in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark 16, 15. We'll read through verse 18. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with their tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the God we serve, and that is the authority that God gives to his people. And we're doing a study now. This is the fourth part on the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. And the Bible says that as priests unto God, we minister through God's authority. It's the only way possible to fulfill what he's called us to do. It's the only way possible to fulfill the Great Commission. It's the only way possible to, to live the life that we're called to live. It has to be by the power that the Lord gives by his Spirit, by his grace. Now, Jesus said... Um, he told his disciples, he says, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. But just prior to that, he says, when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Who gave? The Lord gave that power. The Lord gave them power as he was calling them and sending them out. He empowered them to do what he was going to call them to do in this world. Amen. And the Bible says, the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Jesus says, behold, I give you power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. What a blessing. What, what an authority. And so God gives authority to his priest. Our study is on the priesthood of the believer. And the last few weeks we've been talking basically about the nature of this priesthood and the fact that we minister unto God. We're priests unto God. And that's, <clears throat> we're not men pleasers. We're called to serve God. Men will certainly be blessed by our lives because we represent Christ on this earth and we minister in his authority and power. But we're servants of the Most High God, like the three Hebrew boys were, and we stand and fall to the Lord. He's our Savior and our Master. And everything that we do as a servant of the Lord, as a priest of God, is, is by the power that the Lord has given us. Jesus said unto them, he says, But tear ye in, but behold, I send the promise of, the, of my Father upon you, but tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He says, I'm sending you out, but I'm sending the promise of the Father first. Your job right now, this is after the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ and before he ascended to his Father, he says, I'm sending you out, but I'm sending you to tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with this power from on high. And then, then they were equipped to do what God called them to do, and what he's called us all to do. But as blood-bought children of Almighty God, blood-bought saints of Jesus Christ, and part of this church body, he has made us kings and priests unto God. I'll keep uh, I'll 
be consistent in giving you these scriptures so that they're like our, our theme scriptures for this study. It's, it's Revelation 1, 5, and 6. And a portion of that says, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and to his Father. Amen. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And he has made us that. It's not something we make ourselves. We give our life to Jesus. And one of the wonderful things he does for us in salvation, he makes us kings and priests unto God. The Bible says, Peter says, For your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, for what cause, for what purpose, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. That was the life we had before we knew Jesus. That was a life of darkness and sin. We don't live that way anymore. By the grace of God. We are new creatures in Christ, and we show forth the praises of Him who made us new creatures and forgave our sins and made us join heirs with Jesus. And also the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 that we are, we are as living stones. Each member of the body of Christ, we're like living stones that the Lord is building together a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the whole ministry, don't ever, we're, we're to never forget that our ministry is unto the Lord. And when we get off track of that, we're going to get into serious problems. God has called us. He has also empowered us. So the Lord gives us the ability because He endues us with power from on high. He bestows upon His people the power. And what kind of authority is this? What kind of authority... How great is this authority? The authority of the priest of God. Well, it's, it's like Christ. It's the power of Almighty God. The living God It's the power of the risen Christ in us. It is uh, the power of the Spirit of Christ, freely given to the blood-bought church of Jesus. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us or in you. Amen? It is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, given to us from God, by God, but He has given it to us, amen? And He desires for His people to walk in it. That is the authority by which we minister unto God. That is the authority by which we represent Christ on this earth. That is the authority by which we'll, we'll take up dead, uh, if we drink any deadly thing, or take up serpents and and so forth, they won't hurt us. And we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'll cast out devils in his name. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, For as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. We're still in the world, but we're not of the world. And Christ is in us, and he's chosen uh, to be represented to mankind, uh, through the body of Christ. He lives in his body by the Holy Spirit in the lives of those he has redeemed. And the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. God has given us that authority. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He rejoices in giving this to us. But as priests unto God, we are to live and to speak and to minister and to serve, to teach, to represent the Lord, to overcome in this world, all by the authority of the Lord. In other words, we do it in His name. We don't do it in our own name. We do it in the name of the Lord. And 
the Bible tells us that uh, when, when Peter was being followed by this woman with the spirit of divination for many days. I'll read this to you from Acts 16. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved because this woman had uh, demonic spirits in her, spirit of divination, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, he addressed the spirit and the woman, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her, and he, the Spirit, came out the same hour. He said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. That is the authority. That is the authority. It doesn't just mean we throw the name Jesus on every prayer and everything we do and think it's going to happen. When we're talking about the authority of Christ and the name of Jesus Christ, we need to be His. We need to know Him. We need to be in obedience to Him. We need to be walking in His ways and words. We need to be filled with His, His Spirit. We need to uh, be doing His will on the earth and not our own. Amen? But this is what Peter was doing at this time and what God called him to do. Peter and John, Peter looked at the lame man laying outside the temple gate and said, uh, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man left up with, with them praising God into the temple. He gave what he had. He had that authority given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter and John both had that authority. And he says, what I have I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ. That is what we're speaking of and how the priests of God are to minister in his name, by his authority, by his strength, not our own. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 16. And when Peter saw it, after this lame man was healed, the crowd gathered and they preached, and 5,000 souls were saved. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power, our holiness, we had made this man to walk? And his name, through faith in his name, Speaking of Christ, has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He's saying, Peter said, why do you look at us as though we're something uh, special? I mean, we're special in Christ, but why do you look at us as though by our own holiness, our own authority or power, we made, we made this man whole? Look, let me tell you. It's Jesus Christ who saved us, the one that you put on the cross, who died for our sins. It's through his name and power that this man has been made whole. So we have to remember that as, as priests, it's not about us. We're not to make it about us. It is the authority of the Lord that he has given us. And uh, there was one named Simon the Sorcerer that we read about in Acts chapter 8 when Philip preached the gospel and, and signs and wonders were following and people were being healed and saved. They believed the gospel when they saw and heard the miracles and the word uh, that was preached. And they were saved. They were baptized. Peter and John get down there and lay hands on the new believers and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says Simon the sorcerer who had bewitched the, the community there, he also believed and he followed with the disciples, but he had an impure heart and an impure motive when it came to the authority and the power. And he said he, he actually asked, uh, he offered the disciples, Peter and John, money that 
I want to give you this money and you impart to me that power that whosoever I lay my hands upon will receive the Holy Ghost. Peter says, no, you, you've missed it. You're in the gall of bitterness and, and, and you need to repent of this because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. It's a gift of God and it's his authority and it's not so Simon could show himself to be something special. It's so that Jesus Christ could be seen to a lost, dying world that needs him. Amen? That he's almighty God. So we're priests unto God, and we need to remember that as well. So the word of God tells us that the believer is to live by faith, walk by faith. We're to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're to walk in the authority that God gives us. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We'll start reading in verse 29. 29-31. This is after Peter and John had been threatened and, and, and then turned loose and threatened not to preach in Jesus' name any longer. And this is part of their prayer with the company of believers. Acts 4.29 And now, O Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. This is the authority. God has no limit to the supply of the Holy Spirit. He has no limit to the supply of, of the authority and, and enabling and empowering for his ministers and for his priests and for his saints. So this was not a one-time event. Uh, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That's an ongoing filling. And we have to be in order to be uh, the priest God has called us to be and to minister unto him. Amen. And so we've been given this, this authority by the Lord to fulfill our priesthood. That has to do with fulfilling our priesthood unto God has to do with the vessel, us personally, inwardly, being the men and women of priests unto God, wholly separated unto him that we're called to be, filled with his love and compassion and his word. And then also the duties, fulfilling those duties outwardly unto the Lord. God enables us to do all of that. And we're to be mindful, y'all, that administering with boldness, we still have to be humble because Jesus was meek and lowly. Amen? And so, uh, oftentimes, and this is really what I want to get to in this, this message this morning, oftentimes we'll see uh, believers and, and they, they can we can, I pray we don't, can abuse their priesthood. And I see two main ways that the priesthood of the Lord can be abused, this authority that we have in Christ. Uh, people can either make it too much about themselves, the minister, the priest, could be a pastor, just could be a, could be a lay person. But men can do things, and women, in the church and in the name of Christ, that are out of order, that are that turn the attention to themselves, and they want it that way, 
There was a man named Diotrephes, Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among you in the church, John said. He warned them about this man. And so there are people that take the authority that we have in Christ and they want to turn it around instead of it being solely and wholly for the glory of God. They want to take it like Simon the Sorcerer to where people take note of me because of, of my priesthood unto the Lord. And remember, every believer is a priest unto God. Not just the disciples, not just pastors and evangelists and so forth. Every minister, whoever's been washed in the blood of Jesus, the sincere faith and born again, God has made us kings and priests unto himself. But we'll see that uh, people can, can take too much upon themselves and make it about themselves and maybe even uh, take off into things that are false and untrue in their preaching and so forth to get a following after them. And also we'll see men that I would say uh, can, can pervert or abuse their priesthood by simply neglecting it. They don't step up to the plate, so to speak. They don't, as believers, uh, walk in the authority that God's called them to do. They're, they're basically abdicate, abdicated the, their position as a priest. They're derelict in their duties as a priest. They're just not functioning that way at all. And both would be a perversion. Both would be sin. It's not at all what we're called to do. But on the first one, where somebody can, a man or a woman, claiming to speak on the Lord's behalf, okay, can speak and teach lies. Can speak uh, false teachings, false prophecies, false practices, a hypocritical lifestyle, but all the time saying, no, I'm a priest of God, I'm a priest of God, you have to follow me, and so forth. Hypocritical lifestyles, unbiblical doctrines, and according to them, they're representing the Lord. Well, as another priest, and you're a priest of God if you're born again, we have the responsibility to check that out with the Word of God, to validate what, the, what their claims are. But according to these that would abuse their priesthood in this way, <clears throat> they try to make it so much about themselves, no one is really permitted to challenge them or to test them because, according to them, their position is above you and above all the others, and you're not allowed. They'll, they might offer the invitation to say, oh, by all means, check me out by the Scriptures, but when you actually would try to do such a thing and talk to them about something that was preached or taught in the name of the Lord that was unbiblical, you're going to find out quickly that that's not allowed. And we're told things like, somebody that would be abusing their priesthood would say something like, well, you're being divisive. And I've heard this one before. I've heard all of these before. Touch not God's anointed. Because there's a scripture in the Old Testament that that's not the proper application of that. We're all, if we're born again, we're not all pastors, we're not all ministers, we're not always all in the, pul in the pulpit all the time. But every one of us has the authority given to us by the Lord as His children, if we're saved, filled with His Spirit, to, to be priests unto God. There's an authority there. But we're told, don't question authority. You're being divisive. Don't touch God's anointed. You need to submit to God's authority. And so 
this is a, an abuse. This would be an abuse or a perversion of the priesthood. Don't contradict the leadership. Don't uh, just sit down and be quiet. This wouldn't be spoken for the pulpit, but if you go to examine something closer, uh, maybe in private, you're told just fall in line, support, support your church and your pastor. You're, by, by your actions, you're, you're dividing the body, you're bringing harm to the body of Christ. We know that this is not true. And I think the church world, for, to a large extent, has been, I would say, misled, obviously, and also intimidated to believe that any type of a challenge, or not even a challenge, any type of a, of a testing what is preached or taught is or lived out in leadership, any type of, of that from the person in the pew is is divisive and it's not of God. But that's that is uh, an error. People think that to show true Christ like uh, exhibit true Christ likeness we have to just um, sit there in the pew and 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 support your, your church, support your pastor, support who's ever ministering. Uh, don't question anything. But that's not the priesthood of the believer. That's not what is taught in the Bible. That's not what the Lord has called us to. Now I will say this, and it's important. Without question, God raises up pastors in leadership, specific people that he puts in leadership over churches and to serve in churches, and they're over people to in it, to an extent. They're over them. And as long as those ministers are <clears throat> walking in humble obedience to God and preaching the truth and rightly dividing His Word and so forth and, and not being hypocritical and living it out the way that they're supposed to, they are to be obeyed and, and honored and respected and you're just not out to, you know, to get them and to undermine anything that they're doing. But that does not mean that they have no, that they're infallible, that those pastors or ministers or leadership are infallible. Uh, they're not. We're not. Okay? Nobody is infallible. The Lord Jesus is infallible. His Word is infallible. His Word rightly divided and put into practice and taught and preached is infallible. And we always have to remember that no matter how wonderful that authority is, those people that have a place of authority in our lives or in our churches, there's always an authority over them. They need to remember it, too. We need to remember it. The Lord is over all, and our priesthood is un unto God. Our priesthood is unto the Lord. Amen? And so... Um, it does not mean that we can't think for ourselves. If you're not a pastor and you hear something that was incorrect from the pulpit, I'm not just talking about some little uh, slip of the tongue. I'm talking about a teaching that's incorrect. And it does not mean we don't have the right to think. Uh, we can't question them. You know, No, we do have a right to think. The man or the woman sitting in the pew has a God-given responsibility, not only the authority, but the God-given responsibility to, to check out what is being spoken, to the validity of what they are being taught in the name of Jesus. 
what's being taught in his name as being truth and in his word. We have the, uh, the authority and the responsibility to check out what is being preached in our churches or in whatever Christian circles we're in, what is being taught, what is being sung in the music, what is being practiced by the people. We have the, the, the right and we have the responsibility and we have the authority by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so not, not only can we as believers do this and test things and check things according to the Word of God, we are commanded to do that. Amen? We're commanded to do that. And I'll say that well-meaning, sincere people in our churches daily, daily are being led astray because they have abandoned their responsibility and that to fulfill their duties as a priest unto God. They've abandoned this aspect of their priesthood. They've ab abandoned their God-given authority to, in love, hold others in their Christian circles, in their churches, in leadership, to help hold others accountable to preach the truth. Well-meaning people are being led astray daily because they refuse or have abandoned their God-given responsibility as a priest of the God to hold those in their Christian church responsible and accountable to preach the truth. Amen? And, and it doesn't have to be this way. People have failed to carry out their responsibility as God's priest in this hour. I think it's increasing more and more. People don't want a lot of doctrine. They want a lot of fluff. They want a lot of feel-good things. They want something mystical. They want something different. They want something they've never heard before. They want something that makes them feel a certain way. And people are, are abandoning doctrine. And certainly along with that, they're going to be abandoning uh, biblical discernment to hold others accountable. Amen? It doesn't have to be that way. And it's not going to be that way in Jesus' name in your life and in my life. So I want to read this scripture that we all know. But it's a great scripture to know. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved. John is speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. Beloved. Believe not every spirit. Christians. Christian brothers and sisters in church. Believe not every spirit. But try. That means test. All it means prove and test. Prove all things. The Bible says. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are going out into the world. They don't go out and say, I'm a false prophet. They go out and say, I'm representing Christ. I speak in his behalf. I'm from this church over here. I'm from your church. I'm raised up right here under pastor so-and-so. So therefore, you know I'm going to tell the truth. And I'm, I'm going to speak the truth. And a lot of times people just put their brain and their spirit on autopilot and ignore the discernment that God's given us. We don't have that luxury. We don't have that luxury. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Every spirit's not of God. Every doctrine's not of God. Every sermon's not of God. Every uh, influence is not of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. I want to take just a moment this morning, y'all. And I want to share some examples. There were there are, there are endless examples. Okay, these are just some that the Lord has brought to my attention recently. Okay, and I want to share with you just some of the the, 
the false teachings and practices that are going on in the churches in America in the name of Jesus. They're not of Jesus, but they're going on and prospering in the name of Jesus in, in the churches in America because people refuse to stand up and say, no, that's not what the Bible says. That's not the rightly divided word of the Lord. I'm just giving an example. There is a, a, a Christian Christian press, InterVarsity Press, and they're big proponents of this centering prayer. <laughs> Contemplative prayer, you might have heard. They even have a forum for authentic, authentic transformation. This practice is not of God. The centering prayer is the Eastern meditation. It's, it's nothing but Eastern meditation and Hinduism and New Age uh, repackaged with some Christian terms and put in the church. It's, it's just a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's not of the Lord. Okay, it's not of God. But this, here's some of the big proponents of this. The contemplative uh, advocates. Larry Crabb, Gary Moon, David Benner, uh, Dallas Willard, John Ottberg, Richard Foster, Catholic mystic Basil Pennington. They hope to transform some of these little key phrases they use. Transform Christian believers to become Christian mystics. One has said that uh, Carl Rayner said that the Christian of the future will be a mystic or he, or he will be nothing. There's a movement. There's a purpose to it. Satan has a purpose to it. It's not just some random things going on in our churches. It is a move. It is to move the church away from the Bible and away from the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, away from the solid foundation, the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, into these Eastern meditative practices, thereby opening ourselves up to spirits, demonic spirits and spirits other than God. That is, is it happening? It's, yes, it's happening. It's happening in Baptist churches. It's happening in Methodist churches. Uh, there's churches around the country for years now have been advertising Christian yoga. There's no such thing. I've said it before. If you want to go stretch and pull your legs behind your head like a pretzel, go for it. But let's not call that uh, anything. It's not yoga. We don't, we don't enter into this meditation and, and have a mantra and so forth. Even if our mantra is Jesus, 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 or holy, holy, holy. Now, uh, Kerry Wyatt wrote, I'm just going to name some of the books and authors that really uh, promote and are trying to indoctrinate people in, in Christian churches to this unbiblical practice. The Garden of the Soul by Kerry Wyatt. Sacred Companions by David Benner. Invitation to Solitude and Silence by Ruth Haley Barton. Meditative Prayer by Richard Foster. Solitude and Silence by Jan Johnson. Uh, the Contemplative Prayer Movement is also called the Formation Movement. The Formation Movement. And it is all-out effort to transform the church. In the his book, Meditative Prayer, Foster says the purpose of meditative prayer is to create a spiritual space, an inner sanctuary, through specific meditation exercises. 
Now, that is not taught in the Bible. Just that right there is not taught in the Bible. And one of the first steps is, we're, uh, according to them, to, to is centering down or re, re, recollection until we find a, we become a unified whole. These are nothing but New Age terms, repackaged and put into the church. Uh, Foster also suggests that visual, visual, visualization methods really help in centering down. Uh, another part of this would be the physical sensations that people experience when they go into this meditative uh, state. It's really, uh, they call it, <coughs> excuse me, listening to God. Uh, we are, are we to listen to God? Yes, we're to listen to God. We listen to His Word. He's our Good Shepherd. We know His voice. He speaks to us. But this is not the way He speaks to us. This is the way Satan wants to come. And he can come disguised as whoever he wants to come as an angel of light if he chooses, and he does. But once these meditative exercises have been, exercises have been implemented, the spiritual, quote, spiritual ecstasy is reached. But any New Ager could tell you that's, that's just New Age. That's just an altered state of consciousness, which their consciousness, which their New Agers seek after. It's just repackaged in the church. Foster said that Jesus showed us God's yearning for the gathering of an all-inclusive community. No, he didn't. He came and died to destroy the works of the devil. He came to seek and save the lost. Does he desire for all men to be saved? Absolutely. But it's going to be one way through the blood of Jesus. Any other way, it's trying to come up another way as a thief and a robber. It's not going to be through contemplative prayer that we become one with God. It's going to be by repentance and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that we're born again and filled with His Spirit. Amen? And uh, th this InterVarsity Press promotes uh, is wholeheartedly uh, embraced this contemplative prayer in their, quote, Christian uh, literature. They have books featuring everything from enneagrams to labyrinths to many forms of meditation practices. They have a course called the Natural Course for those practicing contemplative prayer. They have a growing number of books and authors that promote social justice. We've talked about that, I think, with the, a year ago or so. There's nothing just about the social justice gospel. It's Marxist, and the end result will be uh, atheism. Is what it would, Communism and atheism is what would be there's nothing uh, just about it. Amen? But they promote social justice gospel as well as the critical race theory and everything that goes with it. So just a couple more quotes here real quickly. And I think this is telling. Contemplative prayer advocates. Now you realize I could point out, uh, we all could, many errors and abuses in the church. I'm just, the Lord led me to this one for today, but this contemplative prayer. But they suggest that there's been something vital and important missing from the church for the last several centuries. And can I tell you something? If you're reading a book or listening to a speaker speak in church, or that makes a comment that there's something vital and important that the church has been missing out on for the last several centuries, get up and walk out. 
because we have, we have been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness according to his power that works in us according to his divine nature amen through the new birth we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of the lord jesus christ not the knowledge of eastern demonic practices of meditation but they're going to tell you something vital has been missing out uh, missing to the church and they've got the key they're going to, they're going to, they've got the key to unlock it for us <coughs> so that the church can be all that it's supposed to be <coughs> we're going to find all that we need to be in Christ Jesus amen <coughs> They think that we must be a contemplative prayer person and practice this in order to really experience experience God. They actually say that God cannot be known. <coughs> God cannot be known simply by the Bible, studying the Bible and praying through traditional prayer methods, it has to be through the contemplative prayer. It's false. God never said that. We need to turn and leave. And we need to uh, hold each other accountable for that. Last quote, Alice Bailey, who coined the term the New Age. Her spirit guide instructed her that the Age of Enlightenment was going to come not around the church, Christian church, but rather through it. And the only way that such horrible error and deception could come through the church is if the people of God allowed it to come through the church. If the people of God, as priests unto God, did not fulfill their responsibilities and duties to discern and to test the spirits and to, uh, to be the priests unto to God that we're called to be. We're told, again, don't confront. We're told by leadership that it would be an error. Don't confront. Don't call out biblical error. Don't make any waves. Don't disagree with the leadership. Just agree with them. Ignore your Bible. Ignore your biblical discernment. And we're told things like, after all, he's the pastor. He certainly knows the Bible better than you do. He couldn't be wrong. You must be wrong. And little underlings under that main uh, deceiver will come along and tell you the same thing. He, he can't be wrong. You must be wrong. If you're questioning something that he's preached. You know what I say? Maybe I am wrong. But I ought to be able to check it out from the scriptures and find out. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. God, forgive me. Thank you for teaching me and showing me. If I'm right, this needs to stop. At least I'll do my part in the name of Jesus to stop it from continuing. A couple of more scriptures. And we're going to close. 1 John chapter 2. John 2 let's read verses 20 and 21 and then we'll skip down 
1 John 2, 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Did you hear what that said? You have, he's speaking of believers, not just the pastors. You have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, that's the Lord, and you know all things. In other words, we, because of Christ being uh, saving us in, in the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we can know and what's of God and what's not of God. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Skip down to verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So let that anointing, let the truth of God and the Holy Spirit abide in us, and function in that and live in that and that and we're going to be abiding in the in Christ. Verse 26 through 28. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath had taught you ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Well, I would say this, y'all, just bring this to a close. As priest unto God, let's remember what we're talking about. We're talking about priest unto God. We're talking about the authority that is given us. Not only are we called to be priests and made priests, but we're given the authority by the Lord Jesus Christ to function as priests. And he knows, the Lord knows what he's doing. Okay? I, tr I firmly believe that no error, no error, not one, could prosper among God's people or in our churches if every believer would do what they're supposed to do and stand against it. Not just a few brave souls. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I believe that no error could prosper in our churches and have any kind of longevity and any kind of influence to deceive people if every believer would function as a priest of God that we're supposed to and stand against it. We think, well, that's a deacon's job. That's someone. Yeah, it is the deacon's job too. It's your job as well, though. It's all of our jobs to do. We're priests unto God. I believe much more and greater damage comes to the Church of Jesus Christ as a result of God's people failing to step up and judge, and discern, and confront error as priests of God and to expose and to refute the error and the false teachings, much more damage comes to the body of Christ through our failure to do that than can come from a million attacks from outside the world trying to attack the church. This is far more deadly. God's priests are to be God's priests. And one of our, our responsibilities and authorities that we're given is to confront what's not of God. We're not to be... Uh, Unpleasant. We're not to be unloving. We're not to make it our goal in life to be um, the police that we think we've got to fix everything. 
we have the responsibility of God, and when God leads us, we do it. When something's wrong, we do have the responsibility to to pray, and it's the next step is to confront as the Lord would lead us. And so the Bible tells us that we're all, we're all to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Amen? So I want to, the Bible says we serve, see, we serve the Lord Christ. We serve the Lord Christ. And we're not man-pleasers. We serve in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatever we do, we do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. And I want to close with one scripture, and then we're going to go into prayer. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verse 34. I thought this was an appropriate way to close this morning. Mark 13, 34. For the Son of Man, Jesus is saying this, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. So he's likening what it's like between Jesus and his servants on this earth, his disciples, to, to this example he's going to give. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants what did he give him? He gave them authority. He's not going to be there. He's going away. And Jesus said, the Son of Man is as a man. This is like this in our Christianity. We know that the Lord's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But physically, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, even now, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. So Jesus has given the authority to us, y'all. This man in, in the example gives authority to, to his servants to do whatever authority he gave them, to make whatever decisions and to watch over things while he's gone. They are responsible, but they also are empowered to do it. Jesus has gone away. He's coming back again in the rapture very soon. He's with us now. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But he has given us authority. That means delegated influence. That means force, privilege, right, jurisdiction, power. That's what the word authority. He has given us authority to serve him, to represent him, to be responsible to carry out his will on the earth until he comes back. And we're more than capable through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just want to encourage you this morning to not to, to realize, first of all, our position as priest unto God, this, the soberness of it, this, the severity of such a, a calling and a responsibility, and the joy of it, the privilege to be a joiner with Jesus Christ, to represent Him on the earth. He chose us to represent Him. And in order to do that, we need to walk in the authority that He's given us. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, pray for it and receive this gift. If you've just been sort of uh, neglecting your responsibilities and duties as a priest unto God because you don't really enjoy doing that. I don't want to confront somebody. Now, that's not our only responsibility as a priest, okay? The confronting error. That's what we talked about today. But maybe you have neglected to do that. Well, we're responsible to do that. God, forgive us. He will forgive us. But let's just come before the Lord. Thank Him 
And let's pray for a fresh filling of the Spirit. Ask Him to examine your heart and my heart and show us where we are. Am I faithfully being a priest unto God? And am I functioning in the authority and the power that He has given me? Father, we praise You this morning. We bless Your holy name. We thank You, God, for Your goodness and Your kindness. Thank You for making us kings and priests unto God. I thank You, Lord, for the authority that You gave and that You give. And Lord, I pray that You would help us not to neglect our duties and responsibilities as priests. There is an authority in the priest, priesthood of the believer, Lord God. And help us to walk and live in that authority and rightly represent you, Lord. Empower us by your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Forgive us, God, because we have not always done what we're supposed to do. And when we did do it, maybe we made it about ourselves. Maybe we lorded it over people and did things in in an inappropriate, unbiblical way. Forgive us of that. Change us. That our priesthood be holy, acceptable unto you, God. We love you, and we need you, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.